Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Valerie Bursier, Valerie Bowl Collegiately at Nebraska and is a member of Team Canada. Valerie, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, Valerie, you were just named to 2019 PWBA Rookie of the Year. Let's talk about what winning that award means to you as you're out there competing with the best women out there on tour. Um, it's finally sunk in, I think, that I received that award. I've, I've told some people, I, I network with a group um, on Thursday mornings, and I've actually had to miss uh, those meetings because of the PWBA. So when I went this morning at 7 o'clock, I announced it, and, you know, it, it kind of sunk in that I was eligible. Like, I'm just so thankful that I was eligible. I never got my card. I knew that there was a reason that I never got it. Um, just because I only bowled, you know, one or two per year um, for the last four years. And, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have seen the interview. I haven't even seen the recording of it. But Tamil brought me into the, you know, the office and tried to pretend that I didn't win it, you know, that I wasn't even eligible, even though throughout the whole entire season, they had been announcing me as the front runner for rookie of the year. And, and so I was terrified. I was like, Oh my gosh. But at, at the same time, I was really like, you know, it is what it is. If, if that's the case, if that's the case. I'm just going to have to deal with it anyway. So I guess that kind of tells you um, how I live my life. It's more like I celebrate and I embrace the ups, but I also embrace the downs and just kind of keep moving forward. Are, are, do you find or consider yourself to be kind of goal oriented? Was that one of your one of your goals? Uh, was actually you know getting that that achievement or that honor? It was, and I am absolutely goal oriented. I, I have learned that if you don't know where you're going, then how do you know when you get there? You know how do how do you know when to celebrate? How do you know what you're working toward if you don't actually know where you're going? So I set my sights on that, but. I'm also one that if I don't end up getting it, whatever my goal is, then it's not like I'm self-defeated. It's more, okay, so, you know, where did I fall short? What do I need to do next time? Um, but, yeah, I always, always have, a, have my sights set on something, and that was, that was on the top of my list. Valerie, what were some of your biggest takeaways from bowling at Nebraska? What a good question. Um you know, it was just—it was. I would say it's a fierce competition in college. I I loved bowling with the girls and competing with them, and just cultivating that fire. I was just having a conversation with somebody that hasn't actually bowled since college, and she's you know well into her thirties, and it was just kind of mind blowing to me. But she said she loved the college bowling um, atmosphere, and so it is actually very different bowling for yourself than it is bowling in college I didn't I don't know like I didn't always agree necessarily with all of the fundamental changes and and what Straub you know taught us and he because he taught us how to think on the approach and um, but I didn't always agree with 
the with his his philosophies in terms of like thinking on the approach and, and the mental side. So I actually had to just take what I liked and what I agreed with when I was there and then transfer it into the game that I have now. So I had to kind of unlearn something and then relearn what I believe is the right way. That's what people, I think, when they're being honest, are going to say, hey, this is, you know, there's pluses and minuses or, you know, I don't know you call them ups and downs or so, but that doesn't mean that uh, there's any program uh, that you go to collegiately that you're going to say, hey, you know what, I agree 100% with every single thing uh, that's taught. And there might be some things, you know, that you've, you've changed your mind or we've all changed our mind on things that we believed, you know, previously. And then once you get in and dig a little bit deeper and learn some more, I know I had a lot of those kind of similar experiences at Wichita State, and I'm sure you're not alone there too. Yeah, that's so true. Yes, absolutely. Where you, you're not going to agree, and I think that kind of leads to the next little phase of this question, is you're not going to agree with, with anyone 100%. So um, it's taking, and I, I fully believed in their program while I was there, and that was what mattered. Um, and then it wasn't really until towards the end that I, I just wasn't comfortable. And I was actually, there was a point in time where I almost didn't want to bowl anymore. <laughs> like I literally sat down and I, and I told Coach Job, I don't, I don't think I'm going to bowl after this. And from what I remember, he said, okay, you know, that's okay. There's a lot of people that don't bowl after college. And so I was just like, all right, cool. Like, you know, like that's where we stand. Um, so I finished my, my four years. And um, I think at that point, though, I decided going back to goals, I decided to set my sights on Team Canada. I hadn't made it in a couple of years because I went from youth to adult. And I was like, you know what? I, I actually loved that side of bowling. I'm going to miss it if I don't bowl. And so I worked really hard to feel comfortable again. Um, I think I changed my grip. I changed a whole bunch of my physical game. And then I went uh, six weeks later and I, I ended up coming sixth, making Team Canada that year. And that was that was the start. I think your your question kind of led to that was that was the start of um, just becoming a little like after college and becoming a little bit more competitive post-college. I didn't do a lot, but that was definitely like Team Canada was one of the like the big goals that I had. It, and you've had a, I mean, you've had a big year with Team Canada, have you not, with uh, World Championships? And I think you also had, uh, was it in Peru? Is that where you went? Mm, yes, I went to the Pan Am Games in Peru. Pan Am Games. Yeah. Again. What was? Yeah. What was that like? How was this year? How were your? How was your performances this year with Team Canada? Uh, so Peru wasn't great, um, and the World Championships was wasn't good until the third day until trios until I got to figure it out myself <laughs> and um you know there is really truly nothing like a good ball rep behind you and and that is something that um I didn't feel that we have had like you know Ty Rose was an incredible coach for Team Canada and I was I was really sad when he decided to go a different way because I, you know, there aren't a lot of people that are as knowledgeable and as trustworthy as him. 
And so that's, I think, one of the big differences is on tour, we have ball reps that I trust, that know my equipment, that we can drill bowling balls, <laughs> and we can try to match up a little bit better, whereas at Team Canada events, it's, it's kind of, it. I feel like it's not as, um, it's not as easy, you have to do it, I have to do it on my own, and clearly, I'm not as smart on my own as I am with other people around me. So is that something then that you as a bowler is one of your goals that you want to be able to understand a little bit more to that side of the game and be able to see things a little bit quicker on the lanes? Yeah, that is absolutely my goal. I do. I try to learn. So my husband is a product specialist at Brunswick. And so I ask him questions all the time, just about dual angles and, oh, what is, what's the RG and the differential of this bowling ball compared to this bowling ball? And, you know, and like, what's my axis rotation? So, and then how does the surface, you know, cause we could, you could like dual surface as well. You know, what if you put like a, a mm -hmm. 500 under and like a 4,000 on top, like, what does that do? So um, I just, I really do try to learn as much as I can. And, and I have heard from, you know, people that do know a lot is it can hinder though, you know, it can create too much thought in your mind or, you know, too many thoughts in your mind going while you're just supposed to just compete. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a battle, you know, it's a, it's, or it's a balance of, do you know enough or should you just shut your brain off and play? Right. That, that I mean that relates to I remember one of the one of my times in college they had had question had kind of got posed to which is, is it easier to shoot 800 or 450 you know and there's a lot of a lot of times <laughs> if you're shooting 450 you think about how difficult you're thinking about every hand position and release and what ball and where you're standing all this stuff and when you shoot 800 you're literally you just roll the ball and, and bowling seems very easy. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. When you are striking and you're lying down and you're matched up, like, for example, at the World Championships, I shot 1470 for six games, and it was just mm. unreal. I mean, I felt – I said I, nobody else – nobody else was shooting nearly that high. I mean, there were a couple 200 over, but, like, I went too – I mean, but it was – it felt so easy. It just felt loose. I made really good moves. I had the right surface on my ball. Like, I finally matched up you know? So it, it took me four days, <laughs> but I got there, you know? <laughs> hey, Valerie. So what advice then do you have for the high school players listening that are trying to choose a college to bowl at? I would, I would say for sure, just figure out what you're passionate about aside from bowling. I mean, a lot of people, especially young kids, they're passionate about sports and competing and stuff, but what subjects, do you really enjoy for example which subjects do you do you not mind doing homework or like that you're studying and, and the time just flies by like why don't you just find a topic or a major and start to take courses in that it's you know it doesn't have to be definitive but you, you want to choose a major it's a school based on a major i feel just because your education is going to take you really far um fortunately these days you can be a professional bowler um but odds are you're gonna need to do something else that you're also passionate about and but it could evolve so um that's number one and then two visit the campuses 
just you visit as many as you can, um, as many across the country. I personally am kind of biased about going across the country or going further away from your family just because of that independence factor. Um, it really teaches you to be independent, um, financially independent almost, you know, uh, time management skills and really just focusing on, you know, goal setting and just not being dependent. I mean, even though they're young, like I was 17 when I left and I was pretty independent, but um, I mean, I never went back home. I think that <laughs> says something. And I know that there's a lot of people that do that too, but it's an experience. Live on campus, live off campus. Just, just enjoy the experience. Now we talked a little bit about your, as far as your experience at Nebraska on the lanes, but let's talk a little bit uh, just about the classroom. And I, you know, this might be, I have a little bit of a personal interest in this because I'm just always fascinated with uh, exercise science, diet, nutrition, how it affects athletic performance and that. So why don't you talk just a little bit about that, why that interests you and fascinates you enough that you've gotten your, you know, master's in that topic. But then also, what do we as bowlers really need to know as far as how that affects our performance on the lanes? Mm, great question. I first became passionate with more of exercise science, kinesiology. When I was in Canada, I took a, a class and I was just, I was just in love. And so all I knew at the time was that you could become a physical therapist or a gym teacher. Like, because, you know, as a high school student, you really don't know what you don't know. And so that was my thought was that's what I'm going to do. And then, so I found a major that was similar at Nebraska. So I didn't, I didn't actually go to a school that had, um, you know, physical education because it's not really that popular as a major in the U S it is in Canada. And so I was like, well, it's close, you know, nutrition, exercise and health science I'm like it sounds good um, but I actually ended up falling in love with nutrition and I think the reason I fell in love with it was because you have so much more control over what you eat and I was fascinated by the the vitamins and the minerals and um, fiber like I mean there was just so many things that I was fascinated with and then I tacked on dietetics as a major um, again because you know I wanted to be more of like counseling nutrition as opposed to a personal trainer or like a rehab um, type of kinesiologist. So then I went and got my master's at Rhode Island. Um, and I then it wasn't until after I was done with my master's and became a registered dietitian for at least a year or so that I decided I wanted to go into obesity um, and targeting the obesity crisis in the U.S. Um, I just, I feel passionate about improving people's quality of life. And truly, I mean, a lot of my clients are bowlers. And a lot of it stems from, they come to me because they do want to be able to actually even bowl again, for one, and bowl without pain. And so, um, to, to answer your, your last question, how how do you fuel your body well in order to optimize performance? One, just try to eat low inflammatory, which that's a loaded statement. What it means is like, I mean, it's just, it's like a 30, another 30 minute conversation with me, but 
it's stuff that's not going to cause inflammation in the body. And what causes inflammation in the body is processed foods, um, you know, high, like that come from a box. For example, a food that I will never eat again is a Pop-Tart or a Debbie donut or like those hostess, like you, you just, I mean, those things are not fuel. Like there's very little, very little nutrition in it. And then fried foods, you know, stuff that's fried. And then if you eat humongous meals as well, then it, your, it takes a lot for your body to process it and digest it. And then, you know, it's not very nutrition, nutrition dense, nutrient dense, I should say, sorry. Um, it's not very nutri- nutrient dense. And so you're, you're not, it's like putting water in your gas tank, for example. You don't want to do that, <laughs> you know, because stuff is good. I mean, you might be able to get it in there, but it's not going to run. Even if we don't know that much about nutrients, we know that water in the gas tank is bad. That is true. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. They put like, you know, high octane gas in the gas tank by eating like fruits and vegetables and, you know, and not that you have to know a lot, but so that's the thing is the reason I started with, with a program called Optavia um, as a coach two and a half years ago is because we provide meal replacements at, to start. And they're, they've got all of your vitamins and minerals, all of the protein. And it's, they, you know, we don't completely replace your meals, but we give you, you know, the majority. And you still have to prepare some meals, but it gives people a starting point. So, for example, like, you don't want to overhaul your diet, whether you come to me and start on my program or not, you don't want to just go, you know what, I'm going to prepare all of my meals. I'm going to go to the gym eight days a week. Like I'm going to just beat myself. I'm going to go practice for four hours. You don't want to do that because it's not sustainable. So, you know, back it up baby steps. What can I do to replace, you know, that pop tart that I'm eating? You know, what can I do Mm -hmm. to replace those like grab and go snacks that are really not providing my body with good nutrition or another big thing is soda like regular depending on what mm. part of country you're in pop you know like mm-hmm. what can you do to replace that i mean that's just that's got zero nutrition ton of sugar um all right well you've mentioned I, i'd like um, a, a real life example here so you've mentioned a few times like pop tarts and some like breakfast type meals so what's an example of what would be a good meal to fuel a, a person's body? And this can be someone that's from the age of 14 up to 84. If they're bowling a tournament in the morning, it's, you know, nine, 10 o'clock tournament and they want to have a good breakfast. What would you suggest? I would suggest if you're at like a hotel or if you're preparing on your own, but I mean, eggs is a great, um, a great morning protein. You could do a veggie. I love vegetables. I think vegetables are the most nutrient dense foods out there. And so like a veggie scramble or a veggie omelet, um, you can do a piece of whole grain toast with peanut butter. Um, and then, you know, if you want a little bit more carb wise, you can do some, some fresh fruit. Mm. That's what I would, that's what I would suggest. And that'll hold you over for maybe, you know, three max four hours. And then you want to have another, another meal. So my favorite go-to is like bananas and peanut butter, um, trail mix, like nuts, dried fruit. I mean, apples and peanut, like peanut butter, nut butter to me is just, it's 
I mean, it's, it's perfect. Um, and I carry around jars of it. And then also, like, so we have meal replacement, so our fuelings, we call them. I carry them around all the time, too, because it's that the grab-and-go snack. I have one every, like, hour and a half, two hours while I bowl. So we have, like, shakes and stuff that make it really easy and not messy. Because I know a lot of people don't like to eat while they, while they bowl, you know, because it's messy, it's heavy, it bogs down my jug their digestive system so keeping it light while is good too i know that was one of the things you know we used to have that at the uh, at the open championships or at the team usa trials and stuff and there was this thing that used to go around where it was always eating's not allowed you know and it would what? be so hard when you're going through an eight game block or even if you're bowling team event which is only three games you know for nationals but it takes you three hours and 10 minutes to bowl it um, to go through and, and to not be allowed to sort of refuel your body, you know, I mean, that was, that was a tough thing. And I, and since some of those rules have been changed, um, for the better, you know, for sure. Um, but you still see, I think a lot of times, and, and I think, um, you know, many, many, you know, highly competitive bowlers are probably still guilty of that where, you know, you kind of get in a little bit, bit of a pinch and you're out of time. And then you just kind of put whatever food you can find in your body, whether it, you know, negatively affects your, your performance and, you know, the next 45 minutes later, however long it takes you to start processing it. Yeah. You hit the hot dog cart, Steve, right at, at South Point. The hot dogs. Exactly. <laughs> you see, and, and that's what always drives, drives me nuts. Like you go there and you go to national, it's like you got this stuff and you're trying to be, you know, like a, you're going as a, it's the highest level of competition as an amateur bowler in the U.S. And then the only food they have available is a cart with hot dogs. Now, great. <laughs> I mean, it's got a, you know, and I don't have a degree. I just have an interest in nutrition and diet yeah. and exercise and that stuff. Uh, I don't have a degree. But as far as just seeing uh, just that big pile of hot dogs right next to lane one, it just drives me crazy. There's zero chance I will ever eat a hot dog from there. <laughs> And I never used to be that way. I'm, I'm telling until I read the book or I listened to the book, Never Binge Again. Um, I never thought, yeah, it's such a great, because it's not even just about like binging on a huge amount of food. It's more just deciding what you're going to eat and then sticking to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's so many people that are like, oh, that feels bad. And blah, blah, blah. like, it's not that it's bad. It's just decide. You know, for example, like if I decide that I'm not going to eat Pop-Tarts and then I eat it, it's not a good, that, that, that um, kills your credibility with yourself, right? All right. Well, on, on that note, uh, Valerie, we'll, uh, we'll let you run. This has been very insightful. Uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast again, and, and congrats with your 2019 PWBA Rookie of the Year Award. And uh, we look forward to Are you going to be out there quite a bit next year? Have you given any thought to how much we can expect to see you competing on the lanes in 2020? I, as of right now, I do plan to be out there because not that I can defend Rookie of the Year, but I can always, I can improve. I think the Tour Championship will be my next goal. 